Welcome to season two of Life After Court Street uh, on the Life in the Front Office podcast here with my co-host Laura Waters-Brown. Really excited to bring this back with the Ohio University Sports Ad uh, program um, presented by AECOM. And, you know, it's it's only right that we kick off kind of this first episode with um, Patrick Ransdell and AJ Machoski, where uh, Patrick has the pleasure of attending two bowl games this holiday season. Um, we'll get into that, but then also AJ and kind of his path through um, the hospitality world and, and ticketing and, and so on, um, and really what Revel XP is up to It's uh, as they're kind of blazing their own trail. So nonetheless, guys, welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. So Patrick, well, I will get to my first question of the podcast, but real quick, you've got two bowl games and, you know, some people are lucky enough to go to one, but how, how did you get yourself into two? So I, I recently accepted the deputy AD job at Appalachian State. So um, I've got that game coming up on the 18th. So a week from tomorrow, well, I guess this is uh, being broadcast in January, but uh, so the Boca Raton Bowl, and then uh, I'll help finish out uh, UCF's bowl game in the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa on the 23rd. Uh, so excited to uh, kind of do two jobs at one time leading into the holidays, and then I'll, you know, kind of have a time to, to rest a little bit. Overachiever nonetheless. AJ, um, you know, let's let's kick off the podcast as you're kind of rocking your Ohio sports ad uh, polo that you said you pulled out from 15 years ago. Um, what was the first polo you ever got in the sports industry and do you still have it? So I do not believe I still have it, but I'm going to go check after this. Uh, I had Eastern Michigan Eagles polo, uh, when I went there it was shortly after they transitioned from the Hurons to the Eagles. So we had fresh new Adidas gear, I believe at the time there. Um, if I do have it, it probably has several holes in it, um, I've tried to clean out as much as I can. I always get yelled at for having every shirt I own has a logo on it. So I try to keep it clean if I can. What, what's that? What's the process of kind of as you go to new places as you have along your way? Like, do you get rid of a couple as you go? Do you keep all of them? What's what's the strategy there? So, you know, you try to keep the ones that have the memories, but also ones that you're comfortable wearing on uh, everyday life. I think the, the biggest issue I have having been on the vivid seat side and ticketing and working with a lot of clients and then Revel XP. I, I visit and work with 60 plus institutions today. So I also have all of theirs thrown into all the different places that I've worked from Pitt to St. John's to Maryland and so forth. So um, I try not to accept a shirt or a polo from a school unless we have a signed deal. You got to have that good karma. Patrick, you've got you've got uh, UCF polo on right now as we're as we're talking. But what was the first uh, polo you ever got? Do you still have it? Well, there's no shot I still have it. Um, but outside of like uh, an OU polo, uh, I did an internship at Georgia Tech, so that probably would have been the first industry polo uh, in between my two summers uh, there at OU. But Laura. there's no shot I've got any of those polos. Anywhere, no Ole Miss polos, worked there, Coastal Carolina, the whole nine yards. I, I got nothing left. I get rid of pretty much everything. I, I try to find like the guys in the department who are the interns and the uh, kind of the, the guys just getting in and uh, 
try and give them some some gear because I got probably way too much of it anyway. Laura, you, you know, yeah. I mean, as the lone female on this call, on this on this podcast right now, I would just like to say death to polos because they are not <laughs> flattering. Uh, AJ, I am impressed that you can still fit your polo from 15 years ago. I can't fit my polo from last year. So they're all in the trash. Um, but we don't. Yeah. Can we we need like the woman equivalent of a polo? We need to step our merch up because polos. And when we're, I don't know women, I don't know a woman who loves a good polo. So I just had this conversation the other day, Laura, what do women want? Like if we're ordering staff gear, what should I, what should I get all the women? I mean, I enjoy, like, there's a different cut. Like there's a different type of polo that I would consider wearing. That's like the material is different. The cut is different. It's not like just order a bunch of small polos from the men's selection it's a whole different style cut game like i would wear a button-up before i wear a polo gotcha. by choice but that's me but it's it's all about material it's all about cut and style and feel it's a whole we can go shopping let's all go we'll go shopping i got look i got some for you the, i got some for you <laughs> well, and it all depends on geography too. I mean, Patrick, you're you're going uh, a little bit north where it might be a little colder. AJ's AJ's freezing right now in Michigan, so like it just depends, right? A good three quarter zip, you know, to go over would be would be great. Sweaters, you know, a nice little crew neck sweater. I, there's so many more options out there in the world outside of polos. <laughs> Who, who would have thought we'd be talking shopping on this call? But um, anyway, it's an important it, topic. It's very it, important, Jake. It certainly is. Of course. I mean, everybody's about the merch, right? So uh, merch, yeah. swag. Um, AJ, Patrick, as, as you guys have kind of embarked on your careers within the college athletics world, um, what's been the one thing that you guys took from OU that has kind of carried with you throughout uh, your careers thus far? Uh, I can take that. Um, so the one thing that really is separated from what my, from my experiences, uh, the OU program versus everybody else um, in the country was kind of the work ethic that we did, like on game days. And um, I've been places and it was like pulling teeth to get people to come and help out in the athletic department um, the, in their own sport administration or sport management deal. Um, so I, and I've been shocked at that at pretty much every institution I've worked at. Um, so um, at, at OU, it was just, you know, a given. And, and it was never really even a choice. You just did it. Um, so um, I think that's kind of stood out over time as we've gotten uh, out of Athens. Um, that stood out to me. Yeah, I would agree. I think the drive um, from the program and kind of teaching people how to work uh, I think relationships really matter in that. Um, but also if you're going to say you're going to do something, that you do it. And I think that's the biggest piece. If you say, hey, I'm going to follow up with you tomorrow, you follow up with them tomorrow and, and, and really have that integrity. I think that's, the, some, that's the, the piece with that work ethic that Patrick mentioned that to me has really resonated with anybody that's in the program or has been in the program is that everybody's kind of conditioned that way. AJ, talk a little bit about Revel XP, kind of what you're up to. Uh, you know, what, what, what do people in the industry need to know about what you guys are doing in the space and, 
um, you know, did you ever think you would be in a, in a role like this? So Revel XP and our whole premise as a business is that even before COVID, the fan experience and going to live events was changing. It was getting so much easier to watch it from the comfort of home and the TV experience that dwindling attendance, you need to kind of change and engage how you bring fans to campus or, or to the venues. Um, COVID then gave us the past, you know, 12 to 18 months telling people they couldn't come back and now we're trying to welcome them back. So it's all about reinventing that fan experience. And for us, we have the, the luxury of combining a variety of businesses um, from tailgate guys and the pregame tailgating to the Colonnade Group and premium hospitality and sales um, to having great content pieces like Top Golf Live. How can we help businesses? How can we help fans engage with athletic departments, with pro teams, and really amp up that experience and change it? Um, we found that people are absolutely willing to spend on premium experiences. I think as you look at kind of the trends across the industry, premium everywhere, suites, club seats are sold out and you've got large swaths of open seats in the GA. So how do you elevate the experience and make it worthwhile for people to come when there's kind of some uncertainty tied to it? So our premise is helping to solve those problems and share best practices across all of the different universities and partners that we work with. Patrick, as you sit in, in your seat uh, and you're working with people like AJ or, or, or others, um, as you look at the revenue landscape across college athletics, like how is that evolving? What's changing there? Um, and what are you having to pay attention to as, as you know, things move forward? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're partners with Revel um, at UCF, and I know you guys do some stuff at, at App2. Yep. Um, so they, you know, partnering with people like that is, is important um, because none of us really have the staff to, or I shouldn't say none of us, but um, if, if you don't have the $200 million budget, it's hard to come up with the staff to, to really make things like that. Those little extra experiences, um, it, it's hard to pull those off. So um, having good third party um, cooperation is, is important, but from a, from a revenue standpoint uh, in the department, I mean, we, I think it's really all about being as aggressive as you can possibly be and, and being as creative as you can possibly be. At, at UCF, we've been extremely creative with ways to generate revenue where it didn't exist before, um, adding premium seats where a lot of times people just saw an empty space and um, at our facility and, and, and we created uh, field cabanas and kind of one of the first ones to do that. And now we're raking in some, some pretty decent cash every year on a space that was nothing on game day and and we just kind of created something out of thin air relatively inexpensively um to where it's a nice little cash flow opportunity so we've been really aggressive with trying to add stuff like that um i think that's what <clears throat> at least the orlando market and and i think it's more like this across the country as well but people want the premium um people want social spaces um I don't think that the days of sitting in a bleacher seat, just getting your ticket and watching a game, I think are, they're not dead, um, but it's, it's becoming fewer people wanting to do that as opposed to, um, you know, we have a, a Carl Black and Gold Cabana that there's just a wide open space and people just hang out there and, and kind of watch the game, drink and eat. And you, you can see the video board and it, it's kind of more of a, a party scene than it is, it's as much a party scene as it 
you know, a football game. So, um, and we're, we're adding something like that at basketball this year, sort of too. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's adding stuff like that and being able to drive the revenue and um, play up to that 35 year old who has got some cash and, but doesn't really want to sit on a bleacher for four hours. That's, that's really interesting. Can you talk about um, a little bit more about the new 35-year-old, right? Like the 35-year-old today is a lot different than the one from five years ago, uh, let alone two years ago. What are you doing now differently to target, um, I guess, that consumer? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think we're, we are going heavy after that 35 corporate person at, at UCF. Um, we're really playing up to the corporate side. Um, I mean, we're in, in Orlando, we've been the, we're the largest market within an NFL team. That may not be true now that San Diego doesn't have one. I don't know exactly what their market size is, but needless to say, it's a pro market without an NFL team, which is really, has really paid benefits for UCF. Um, so um, we've really tried to go after those people. Our sales team is fantastic um, we've got a good leader in Brooke Smoley she's kills it um, and uh, we've really really tried to create an experience to get those because at UCF we are that's what we are um, we graduate 17,000 kids a year um, which is absurd um, we have 71,000 undergrads and so our actual our our alumni age is actually going down every year um, so we don't really have, and this is going to sound a little bit morbid, but we don't really have our alumni dying because we're so young and we're graduating out 17,000 kids a year. So like every year, our average age goes from 37 to 36 and it'll go down and it'll go down and I'll probably do that for the next 15 years or so. Um, and then, so that's kind of what our alumni base looks like. Not everybody's alumni base looks like that. Um, there's a lot that I've been around for 200 years and looks a little bit more gray um, and and more well-established. I maybe should say maybe that's a better term. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's that that's our bread and butter here at UCF. And, and I think that a lot of them are starting to come into some some good jobs and good um, disposable income to, to, to push some really cool social premium spaces. Yeah. I think to add on to that, it's looking at experience. How can you give them the access to things that kind of are one of a kind? The, the fear of missing out is, is really relevant um, with that age group and younger. So how do you create field experiences as Patrick talked about with the cabanas, with field passes, with you know, access to chalk talks, you know, the taste of Orlando food scene and breweries and, and kind of combining those ideas to make it, hey, how am I going to spend my afternoon? Hey, let's go to the game because that's an experience I want um, versus it being about just the game. So I think that's where you see a lot of opportunity. And, and that's what we focus on is how do we help understand what the base is looking for and create those experiences so people are spending their discretionary income with you because there's so many more options out there today than there was even five years ago. AJ, you get the pleasure of working across so many different markets and seeing to Patrick's point, the different fan bases, the different alumni bases. Um, what's the biggest difference between, say, uh, a school in the East versus the Midwest versus the West, where like the demographics and what people do for an experience is different? 
not only because of culture, but also geographic weather, et cetera, like what are the things that you see out there as you're having to cater to the different markets? Yeah, it's all about experience. And look, the, the beer drinking experience up in the north where we have more requests for heaters in Alabama than we do in the state of Pennsylvania, um, even though the weather doesn't combine that way. So it, it's all about what are people willing to do and kind of serve within that. Um, you know, I, I call, you know, in a lot of the Southern states, the tailgate belt, because it's, it's really, it's part of their culture. It's part of their community. It's what you do on a Saturday. And I think as, as Patrick said, there's a lot of markets where there isn't a pro team on the football side. So they grew up with college. It's how they plan their weekends. It's how they plan their year versus I think in other states, there are a lot of other entertainment options. You know, New York City is a perfect example with no major college team directly in the city. Pro sports wins, even though you have alums from every school and millions of people in that market, it's just not as big of a feel. So you kind of cater to what the fans are looking for. Um, and that's really what we try to do that hyper-focus. What, what works for Ole Miss and the specialness or the, all the uniqueness that they have um, in the Grove, like that can't be duplicated, you know, in the Midwest, but you can create really great experiences and, and make it special and unique to that school or that team by listening to what the, the fan base is looking for. That's awesome. I, I want to flip a little bit um, and get more on our, our feelings and emotions side. Because uh, we have a lot of students that will listen to this, right? So, like, what's been your best accomplishment or, like, the most, the most um, or the accomplishment you've been most proud of, I guess, to date? Career-wise. So I helped you out there. It doesn't have to be family. You don't want to say my family and all that stuff, but like career-wise. Yeah, I think on my end, honestly, has been every job I've ever had has actually been through directly or indirectly an OU alum, either giving me advice on the role or helping me get the introduction. So for me to be able to give back, um, you know, Revel XP has hired multiple people from the program. Um, recently and try to continue to build that pipeline um, of jobs. And because of the work ethic and everything Patrick had talked about in the first part, the, the most rewarding piece is actually helping people get into the industry um, and, and really change it because the rest of it are just kind of business accomplishments and changing game day. That, that's a lot of fun, but to help other people along the way, I think is, is the most rewarding on my end. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, <clears throat> Probably four years ago, uh, our victory at the Peach Bowl and our national championship, uh, going through that, there was a lot more behind the scenes than I think people realize um, that went into all of those decisions. It was all planned. It was all thought out. Um, being part of that staff that uh, was able to get all that done that people still talk about today has been really fun uh, they should we, we we all should probably just call each other and write a book uh, some sort of marketing book on that whole experience so um that was really really fun and um very very rewarding because i think it's um i think that had a lot if the vast majority had a lot to do with the recent big 12 invitation could you imagine if we released an ou tell-all book like the secrets of the sport industry could you imagine (laughs) 
Jake, that's for next year. Let's do a newsletter. Bestseller. Oh my goodness. There's your million dollar idea, Laura. There you go. And it's not even, hey, it's not even 10 o'clock. Ideas coming left and right. That's beautiful. I'd buy a couple dozen of those books. That's for sure. Right? And Andy's on it. We're good. We're good. Um, no, I, I, as we kind of wrap up the episode, we, we will get to rapid fire here shortly, but, um, going back to kind of the, the polo conversation, like you guys have all worn a bunch of different logos. And as you kind of go from one to the next, you, you, um, to Laura's comment about family, like you've got a new family in, in each and every place that you go. How do you, it, it's harder and harder to keep in touch with people. I mean, it's easier, but it's also harder, right? Because there's just so much more going on. And, um, you know, when you go from one place to another, you've then got people that you either don't keep in touch with or those that you do, like, how do you, it's, it's kind of like one of those questions where everybody's probably got a different answer, but it's, um, it's always interesting to hear kind of how you go about staying in touch with those who you have worked with or those that you've never worked with, but they're in your, you know, kind of network circle, AJ, but um, what's, what's kind of your secret to that uh, part of, part of your life? I guess being in the sports industry, it is really small. So while you can work with a lot of people and be in a lot of campuses, you're going to run into them at events, at championships, communicate through a variety of channels. Um, It's hard to keep up with that on a day-to-day basis. But I think the biggest thing you can do is as you see things, shoot somebody a text, congratulate them on, you know, new gigs, new roles, exciting things that they're doing and, and just try to carve out some time each week to be able to do that. Um, I know it's something that I really want to focus on moving forward and, and try to do, but yeah, it's, it's hard um, because you have what I call business AJ and you have party AJ. So there's, there's a personal and there's a business side of that, but you want to kind of keep that open and communicate with people as much as you can. You're like the human version of a mullet. <laughs> pretty, mu- pretty much. Pretty much. Yep. That's, I, I'm going to take that with me, Patrick. That's good. <laughs> Good deal. Yeah. I mean, like it, you're right. It, it is a really small industry. Um, if, if you don't know someone, you probably only have one degree of separation from knowing them. Um, you know, the whole Kevin Bacon, six degrees of separation, it's way smaller than that in this industry. It's like one. Um, so yeah, I probably need to be better at, at constantly being better at communicating uh, around the industry. But uh, I think sometimes you get busy and it just kind of falls through the cracks, but, uh, but yeah, you're right. That's, it, it's a pretty cool thing to be a part of the industry that, uh, is that small and, and close knit. And, um, uh, you know, you got, you got a lot of good long-term relationships that, uh, all of us have formed over the years. All right. Rapid fire. Laura, are you up first? Oh yeah, I got one. And I have just like this weirdest random OU story moment. That happened to me this year. I, when I was in grad school, we all know I barely made it through, but there was uh, one of our RevGen projects. I think I needed, we needed to talk to somebody in college athletics. So we, I called uh, or emailed Bernard Muir and from the, from the directory, just cold email. He responded back, set up a meeting. We talked for 15 minutes. I got an A on the project, never met him a day in my life. Um, but this year, I got a chance to actually meet him in real life. And I saw him at an event 
And it was the weirdest moment slash scariest because I was like, is that him? Is that not him? Is that him? I heard his name. Is that him? And I went up to him and I was like, hey, so here's the thing. It's kind of creepy. You don't know me, and but I know you. And like, you helped me get an A in college. So I really appreciate everything that you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> he was so nice. So I say that story for both alums who are listening and students who will listen. I know the past two years have been heck really crazy with Zooms and, if, you know, all the phone calls and virtual, but like really pay attention to when things get back to some type of normal, those personal in life, uh, real life, I think the kids call it IRL, uh, you know, connections and introductions, because I think it will pay off face to face. But that's my little random thing. Anywho, to the fun. Uh, rapid fire. Now, these are not serious questions. Jake's will, Jake's rapid fire questions tend to have a long answer to the minor, not that serious or complex. Uh, but first thing that comes to your mind, are you ready? Go ready. All right, AJ, we'll start with you. Uh, are you Court Street or Bronies? Uh, Court Street. Mm. Patrick Court Street mm. I have more stories Laura <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm going to have to figure out how to make my all my questions one word answers all that's right. the point of rapid fire they're supposed to be rapid fire Jake hey, funny, not anyone short who's ever talked to me knows that it goes on and on um, AJ <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll start with you if you could play any sport which would it have been in college would have been golf no doubt no doubt really is this like is this what what version of golf are we talking about collegiate actual competition golf are we talking about top golf if like if if there's a professional putt-putt tour i would still be in like Mm, to to just get out there collegiate like in pga tour golf that's i'd I'd be all in on that i'm pissed at my parents that they didn't get me into golf earlier in life Mm, darn those parents I know it's their fault. They'll write Just a letter. Like... <laughs> <clears throat> All right, I got another we one. This one's on social simple. media, just like everybody else. There you go. Uh, Twitter fingers, I believe, is what they're called. It's a whole other concept. It's a whole other conversation. Um, all right, are we going now? We're going. To, we're we're taking it back to our times at the wonderful establishments at Court Street or on Court Street, if you would. Um, are you sitting down for a full meal? Or are you getting the dollar pizza at Court Street? Oh, I mean, w- when I was there, funds were limited. So dollar pizza, you sure. would go dollar pizza all day. <laughs> Even a little burrito buggy never hurt anybody. Yeah, look, I heard the burrito buggy was retired. I heard it was a sad yeah. day. And I think, I don't know, Jake, I heard, I heard the young people said that the burrito buggy went out which is, is that a COVID very sad. Mm. I point. think we I think we started GoFundMe and we bring it back. There you go. I support idea. that. All right. Uh Patrick, we'll start with you. If you could play on any professional tour, but it's got to be obscure like pickleball, water ski, See, like this is not a rapid fire, Jake. This yes, is, a, is I have to think about it question. Cornhole. Cornhole. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'd go badminton. Yeah. Laura, we actually had a professional. We actually had a professional badminton guy in our class. 
he would like go to the the rec union or whatever and like beat up on people and we would watch and show up and do what OU does best and cheer and be obnoxious and it was amazing he used to beat people like behind the back things and everything it's fantastic it's awesome it's freaking awesome um okay Here's the final one. This one is probably the most difficult one you'll ask all day or answer all day. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate, dark chocolate, preferably. Chocolate, but chocolate chip mint. <laughs> I love it. I love how both got very specific. That's, right. that's even better. Um, well, Patrick, AJ, really appreciate your time on uh, our, our season two episodes uh, of Life After Court Street on the Life in the Front Office podcast. Uh, appreciate your insights, uh, stories, and uh, we'll watch out for wherever the uh, the polos are out in the world. And Patrick- no more polos! <laughs> Patrick, send me, you send me Patrick, an email. I'm, we'll I'm figure curious, something out. All right, sounds good. See uh, what, what kind of wardrobe app state has uh in in the coming years i'm gonna send something to laura yeah i will send you a whole catalog just no more polos awesome thanks guys thank you